Hello and welcome to Cars of the Decade, Stevie Automotive's history of cars, motorsport and road. Today is a road one. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by Christopher Strickland. Good morning. And Sam Green. Good afternoon. <laughs> and the digital recording of James Montgomery because... Um, he they can't life. be with us today for yes. whatever reason. And the yeah. ghost of Alistair Walker. Yes, because he's currently in dreamland, I would expect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if he suddenly comes to the podcast going, sorry guys, then um, yes. Then, you know then you'll know. You'll know. Why. Um, we're, this has been a while since we've done this. So, uh, it has, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Uh, we realised we've got seven episodes left and Cree buggers off to Japan in like a couple of months, so we should probably like crack on a bit. Oh, um, that doesn't sound like a me problem. No, it doesn't really. It sounds like my problem. Uh, <laughs> it does sound like your problem. <laughs> um, so uh, here we are. We're back. But we got we get into the fun bits where we get well. Basically, we got seventies, and then we get to the fun stuff like the eighties and nineties. So uh, that was the thinking, really. Yeah. So, anyway, seventies road cars. The era of the seventies, well known for wedges, players. Well, it was the first. It was you know, it was the when computers were becoming a thing, and manufacturers started designing them using computer simulation. Certainly not in the beginning of the century, but certainly by the end of it. Do you mean the decade? Sorry, not saying decade. Yeah, certainly <laughs> not at the beginning of the decade, but certainly by the end of the decade, computer modelized cars were certainly becoming a thing. And I mean, you are you are kind of in, in interesting to aerodynamics and other things other than styling. Sorry, Sam. You are you are kind of correct where you said century as well, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am kind of right, yeah, but it's not that's not what we're going for. But equally, as, as, as you'll see in this episode, we've chosen five cars which are all very manual, very analogue. Yeah, very analogue, <laughs> aren't they? Um, let's start... Who wants to start? Should we let's start with Monty because he's not here? Yes, let's do that. So, Monty has chosen the Ford Escort Monty. And we've got a recording for you. We do. So, this is cutting-edge technology. We're going to try and um, dub in, not live, to a hologram of James Montgomery. Which you can't see. Right. So, my car choice will be the Ford Escort, Mark 1 and Mark 2. My reasons for this choice is it was just a sublime set a standard which took pretty much until the 1980s for any other manufacturer to come close to um beating it had a combination of performance cost reliability and it gave many many people a chance to just get on the road crucially because it was such a sporty little number it um, could be converted into club motorsports uh, almost as is. It didn't require any modifications. And uh, I think it's a testament how 50 years on, the car is still such a popular thing that um, everyone gets excited about seeing an Escort, uh, be it on the roads or at a motorsports event. So for me, Ford Escort wins hands down just because it set a standard which took literally a decade for anyone to come close to beating. Thank you, James. So there we go. Monty um, does enjoy an escort. <laughs> he gets excited for it. <laughs> he does. Um, let's talk about that. So, oh, good car. My I mean, car firstly, is... you start talking. Yeah. I'll grab the examiner. Firstly, Monty, 
the Mark 1 is too early. So we've put you down for the Mark 2. But it's still a good car. <clears throat> no, um, you're, and we're still... Everything's still rallied, even up to now, really, yeah, still rallied extensively. You do see them at classic, classic meetings as well for racing. They're an easy car to work on. They're fairly simple, but they're actually quick. They're very quick as well, especially ones that have been fettled a bit. Um, yeah, they're very, I think they're cool. I like the Mark, I prefer the Mark 1 to the Mark 2, but the Mark 2 is still quite cool. Um, but that at about 30 back in the day when you could buy them for like 50 quid and you drive it for a week, it would blow up and you just leave it there wherever it blew up. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it would be worth a lot of money now, wouldn't it, if you kept all of them? But uh, yeah, now, I well, think they're good. I'm well known for not being a Ford fan, but I can appreciate the Escort for what it is. It is iconic. Um, yeah, I think it's, and it is that sort of essence of driving, really, isn't it? It's nothing fancy, but it did mean that more working class people could drive a car and could own a car, um, rather than being more expensive. And obviously, this is the, when we get to the seventies, we're very much in the in the days of badging as well and company cars, weren't we? So depending on what spec Ford Escort you ended up with um, would depend very much on uh, how well you're doing at work <laughs> as well. Um, so when you start getting the different badges, I think, yes, you're right. It's uh, where you have a gear or a sport or an L. Ooh. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, the Mexico or the RS2000 gotta love them mm. you, you can get expensive escorts you can yes or a cheap escort yeah. which is more like what uh monty prefers <laughs> uh, it's built in a lot of different countries as well wasn't it he's got that jesus what <laughs> the, the penny drops you could, you could hear the penny drop there. <laughs> he's not here to defend himself so it's fine you know, you should have been here. When you're mentioning Monty loves an Escort, I'm sat there going, well, yeah, they're a nice, lovely car then. And then you just, <laughs> just said it's going, oh, all right, and I understand now. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, to me, it, it, it is, it's, um, you know, when you go to a club racing, going back to club racing, when you go to a club racing meet and you have the different classes and the lower class, you think to yourself, oh, you've got Fiesta, you know, you'll have modern Fiestas or you'll have... You know, like all clearers or something. But no, it'll be half the grid will be Ford Escort. If it's a rally, Especially if you guess. go to, if he's rallying, it'll be more than half. It'll be <laughs> them, half, yeah. a lot of the time they have their own class. Exactly, um, yeah. It's tantamount to the, the ability of the car itself for the for the ability for its longevity and, and just the love that people have for that type of car. I mean, it helps that most likely the blokes that are racing it also grew up with that car because it would have yeah, been yeah. on the right time scale and they now have disposable money to spend on race cars unlike the three of us um but yeah it, it is a it is a wonderful sort of everyday blue collar man's car and women let's not be sexist <laughs> um yep it's it's a wild car in the day it's it's, it's not a shit well yeah because you know um, like previous world cars like the beetle and maybe the 500 debatably you know it's not no frills at all so fair play. no no um 
It's definitely a, a departure from what you see nowadays for cheap cars. I think so. I mean, for a fact, that it, firstly, it's rear-wheel drive. Most, let's cheap, face it, cheap cars now are only front-wheel drive. Um, but uh, there's just a lot of option as well, isn't there? Mm. I mean, there's, what, hang on, let's have a quick look. So they had, they did, it just in the two-door saloon, um, the 1100, the 1100E, the 1300, um, the 1300 GC, the 1600 GC, uh, the RS Mexico, the RS 1800, and the RS 2000. Presumably, that's all engine size. Related. All that's the different size engines. So you could have everything from a 1.1 up to a 2 litre. If you were in Italy, and, you could have a 940cc. Why wow. you would want that? You, I have no idea, but you could. That's got to be ta tax or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, like, it must be tax or something like that. <laughs> it must be. It must be. The thing is, the Italians will probably still say it's a thousand horsepower. Well, the, the, you're right, though. It's one of those things where it's thought of gone, here's our entry level, and then they've got, oh, well, people want a better car. Oh, well, we'll just put a better spec on it. Oh, they want more power. Oh, we'll just throw another engine at it. Oh, well, they want more power and better spec. Oh, we'll just throw another engine and another spec on it and then oh you want a special edition for rallying yeah sure we'll throw a rs200 badge on it and call it a special and it's just a case of just over time but you know the the, the popularity of the car just the public demanded more and more and more from it they did yeah that's yeah it. absolutely for escort good choice monty we know you like yours um anyway let's move on who'd like to go next um, should, we okay. Al, should we do Al Nick because he's also not here? Well, Al we'll get the people who are not here out the way. Al should we talk about Monty's alternative choice first, actually? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Very quick. So, Monty's alternative choice, again, because he's not here to defend himself, is the Mark II Reliant Robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, the Mark One, isn't it? The Mark One Reliant Robin. It's the same car, um, who cares? More or less the same car, but. Uh, yeah, the Mark One Reliant Robin. So this is an ego. Well, he's, he's always one for cocking a leg over. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Sort of Especially over an old escort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the jokes just keep going with this. Right, thing. I didn't realise how open this all oh, this was. It's easy. It's also Christmas. You know, everyone loves a fat Robin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There we go. A, uh, a robin rolling around in the snow. Um, <laughs> nothing more Christmassy, is there? No. Um, <laughs> um, but no, the, the Mark One uh, Reliant Robin was released in 1973 um, and was produced up till 81 when it was replaced by the Mark II. Um, the Mark II, we should say, is actually the one that kind of everybody knows because that was also the Reliant Supervan which ended up in uh, Only Fools and Horses. So everybody knows that one. It's not that one. It's an older version of it. Um, but uh, it's very similar, let's face it. There's not really any difference. It just, it, if you saw it, you go, oh, that's a Reliant Robin. Um, even when it's not. Even when it isn't. Yeah, even when it's like a, a different one, which has three wheels. Yeah. Lots of lots of Reliance with different names, but they're... Uh... In, in fairness to his alternative choice, it is an iconic car. Yes. Now, you can't yeah, again, they are, yes. 
all as it was, and the fact it was made out of fiberglass, and it used to kill thousands of northerners every week, um, <laughs> it wasn't an iconic car. And you can't get away from that, unfortunately. And now imagine, oh, yeah. Imagine your town's crew, they've got, like, plaques saying, here's the Reliant Robin design well, I mean, in 1982 or something. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Jeremy Clarkson, when he did a, a car review on the Reliant Robin, um, that was factual. 100% factual. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 100%. I've seen, it, I've seen it with my own eyes. It's factual. Thousands of northerners a week is what, you, what you're going with there. Yeah, thousands <laughs> of northerners a week. Not, <laughs> yeah. not a month, not a year, a week. A week. in reliant Robin accidents. That's, so uh... it did quite a good job. Uh... <laughs> no, that, that's proper suppression of the north. Right, let's move yeah. on to Samantha. Yes, uh, my choice is the best one um, because <laughs> it course. is the, the Porsche 911 930. Uh, specifically, the turbo. Porsches in the 70s are famously awful, Sam. No, no. I will ignore its nickname. Um, <laughs> but uh, the nickname here being the Widowmaker. Um, <laughs> it was, it so, was the reliant Robin of the South. who used to kill thousands of Southerners <laughs> every week. It did. It genuinely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the Porsches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... I absolutely love this car. I, as soon as we were the 70s road cars, I was like, well, it's got to be the Porsche 930, really, hasn't it? Um, they produced... Uh, well, the, uh, so the 930 technically ran right up till 1989, but that was the 3.3 that took over in 1978. So we're looking at the 3-litre, which was the first turbo one as well, and they produced 2,819 of them. That's not very many. Um, not very many, is it? But um, it's still a surprisingly high amount. Uh, now, this, as we said, this is a turbo car. Now, I think this is the first road turbo car that we've had on this list, maybe. Uh, let's have a look. Thinking about it, I think so. And uh, so the 2000 GT won't have been, was it? No, that's I think that was so, yeah. Dealing with turbos are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now I think you might be right. If it, it might, it might be the first turbo full stop. Ah, uh, no, I think no, maybe some of the the race cars. I think yeah, but Porsche developed their turbo technology in Can-Am and in sports car racing generally. So, and then they thought, well, you know what? Let's just whack it on a road car, um, and didn't really change much. So this is the three litre flat six, of course, um, and one one turbo. But because of that, it had quite a lot of turbo lag, unless you were in the right gear at the right time. Um, and because of that, and you looked at it the right way, and you struck its steering wheel. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because it's a Porsche, the engine is behind the rear wheels, so. It is prone to a bit of oversteer anyway, and then you add an unpredictable turbo as well, and hence that's why it gained its nickname uh, of the Widowmaker because it just ended up crashing a lot basically in the <laughs> hands of like yuppies who did not know what they were doing. Um, and as a result, <laughs> this is the car that spawned the now semi-legendary, I say semi-legendary because you may not have heard of it, but you probably should have done, uh, turbo training that Porsche do with all of their employees. So if you do road testing with a Porsche, 
you have to do turbo training before you're allowed to drive any of the 911s. Really? Yeah. Any of them? I think, well, I presume any of them may have changed slightly now, but yeah, they, these what turbo about, training. What about the Porsche Taycan turbo? Well, that isn't technically a turbo. It says on the back. But, but <laughs> I, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I imagine um, the turbo training over the years has changed to adapt to the model range that Porsche produces now. I, pres I, presumably. I suspect the training now isn't as it was in the 1970s. No, exactly. Um... They also had um, the slant nose came in in this as well, which is the flat one, which didn't have the headlights, which is sort of the, the Kramer style. You know the Kramer race cars? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that style with the flat nose, which is quite cool from the 935. Um, and they did that from the factory with this as well. So the flak bow, as it was known, which is slant nose or flat face or whatever it is i don't know i don't speak german well, you, um, you do your job. it's all right yeah I think, um just going back i think you are right sam it is the first turbo car we've had yeah excellent there we go cars. well there you go and that's a sign of the times i think um because of its turbo though this would do naught to 60 in five seconds really um wow yeah that's pretty good isn't it quarter mile in 13.7 um, zero to a hundred mile an hour in eleven point nine seconds. That's not bad, not bad. That's and that is the nineteen seventy eight. That's the three hundred horsepower. So that is the turbo. But still, I was gonna say with such a big turbo and the turbo lag and all the rest of it, that's a very impressive north sixty time. It's pretty good, isn't it? And getting it off the line as well with those in, in the 70s, with the 70s tyres and stuff like that. This is also well, the first 911 to have that iconic whale tail spoiler mm -hmm. on the back and the bigger flared wheel arches to give bigger tyres to try and stop it from wheel spinning that didn't work. Um, <laughs> but it looked just fantastic. I absolutely love the way that the 930 looks it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant apparently it was uh the one of the in 1975 i think yeah that would be a very yeah, early one the car, car and driver recorded north 60 acceleration time 4.9 seconds like i said for both the 75 and 78 cars they shared first place in the magazine's quickest car of, two, of 1970 ranking ranking with a 0 0.4 second lead so it was it was quick that is quick that is fast let's face it um even by modern standards that's pretty quick hmm. um then then when you take into account that that is a manual gear proper manual gearbox as well there's not an automatic paddle shift or anything like that that's pretty good yeah no so uh, I, again i don't like porsches <laughs> i'm well, well i'm well um well documented. Well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> However, my brother, who doesn't like cars but loves Porsches, would back you up on this very much, Sam. So there you go. Well, look at the very interesting thing. That's just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's always loved Por he, like, he likes Porsches and Maseratis. I, I, just, I just find it mad that Porsche went, oh, you know what? You know that Formula One team that we're involved with? Why don't we stick an engine from the Formula One car in the back of a 930? Yes. You have the yeah. tag turbo. Well, no, this was, you know, all the what the widowmaker needed was more power. More power, yeah, another turbo. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, 
So this was a twin turbo, one point five liter V six, which was made for McLaren for their Formula One car, uh, and they tested it in a nine thirty. They did all of the testing for that engine in a genuinely fairly standard looking nine thirty. So you would never really know. But it was made, yeah. That was the tag, which is Technique d'Avant Garde, um, which are Lux Luxembourgian, I think that's how you say it. Luxembourgian, is that? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a Star Trek language, mate. <laughs> well, they're, they're from Luxembourg, basically. Luxembourgian, um, I really hope that is their language. Oh, well, I don't think that's how the, the language necessarily. I think that's the nationality. I assume they speak German, but uh, no, I'm going but, with Luxembourgian. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they used that as a test mule to check the engine was sort of reliable enough and what power it was making. And I bet that was absolutely insane. Um, ran like clockwork. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Um, it also, this is the car that spawned the RUF Yellowbird as well. Now that is a famous car. That is a famous car if you've ever played uh, Gran Turismo. Uh and yeah, so they're, they're pretty cool. And they're still highly desirable now. You can buy the Singer version of this car, which again is hugely popular. Um, very, very expensive. Yeah. But so is any 930 now, really. Um, well, just the, to be totally honest. The, in terms of like, you can track history by how expensive Porsches are getting. <laughs> so as years get on, the, the, the older, the, the newer Porsches get more and more expensive. So, on that bombshell, let's move on to a car that's far less expensive. Uh, well, actually, which one? They're, they're both less expensive. Um, Cree, Yummy. What do you mean they're both less expensive? I mean, um, uh, I can go now if you want. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, go on then. So, my car, road car of the decade, um, is the 240Z from Datsun, not Nissan. Because if it was a <laughs> Nissan, it would be from 1969, which we're not doing. So, it's the... It's the Datsun 240Z. Um, for me, it's the car of the decade just because it, albeit some people might say it was copying the stylistic values of the Jaguar E-Type and the two, 2000 GT, but we'll ignore that. Nothing wrong um, with that, yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And But for me, it was one of the first cars sort of exported from Japan into the Western world that sort of, you know, portrayed this picture of Japan being this cool and and, and you know, sporty country that could produce these absolutely gorgeous sports cars um that were reasonably priced i mean the fair lady oh sorry the, the 240 was no more no more more expensive than an mgb from from the uk and i think that was kind of what they were going for the the japanese have always had this fascination for some reason with the uk and, and european culture and so when british sports cars became a thing the japanese thought oh i'll have a crack at that I'll have a crack at some sports cars, and and the result was the the two forty or the Fair Lady Z at the time. They are actually very similar methodologies, though, really, aren't they? With between sort of that British in inverted commas British sports car and what you would think of as a typical Japanese sports car as well, a sort of lightweight, not a massive engine, but fairly good power and rear wheel drive. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. difference is though, the Japanese one will start in the morning. I was going to say the that's the, the main difference. I mean, it did help that the engine they used came from the Datsun 510, which in itself was quite nice. Although it wasn't what you'd call a sports car because it was based off a, 
uh, like a small sort of saloon type vehicle. It wasn't like your, your traditional styling of a sports car, but the engine would have been bulletproof at the time. Um, I would imagine, anyway, knowing the Japanese and their clockwork. Well, um, compared to anything in the UK, it would have been. Yeah, definitely compared to anything in the UK. And and to me, it, it, it kind of sort of brought, um, although at the time it would have been Datsun, but Nissan as it goes on to the future, into sort of the, the modern era of, of car you know, design. I mean, you look back a couple of years ago to the, to, for example, the, the 510, and it was just boxes. You know, you had a box at the front for the engine, the box in the middle for the people, and the box at the back for the boot. Whereas this was very, you know, they kind of did, with that, to admit, they did look at sort of the Jaguar E type uh, and the 2000 GT. And so when that's cool, let's do something yeah. like that. Again, that's it. Again, it's, it's kind of not out of the realms of possibility let's face it it is a sports car and it's a front engine sports car so it will have a fairly long bonnet and a fairly short back yeah. just by the nature well, of it, it well, i don't know it doesn't need a long bonnet for a 2.4 liter inline six uh well yeah but i mean that's not a tiny engine is it it's not no. like it's a one liter in fairness it never started as a 2.4 it was a two liter straight six at the time but i suppose you're right, you know, the 2.2 litre straight six would have been quite a long engine. They're not certainly not short. And um, I have a BMW and I know that the engine sort of scoops into um, the cab to some extent, you know, goes past the scuttle mark. So that wouldn't have been a thing back in back in the 70s. So they would have had to have made the bonnet longer to accommodate the larger engine. Yeah, any, any six i6 is going to be a fairly long engine, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, but I, I just think, you know, it, 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 it's... An affordable, or at the time, it would have been an affordable, stylish, reliable sports car. That now, as time has gone on, has just got better. Or has, in terms of the way it looks, it's just got better and better and better yeah, and better. It is and course, classic. It is, yeah. It's... In terms of its position in the market today, obviously the successor is the 400Z slash just the Z. Um, uh, yeah, which it's... I think looks fantastic because it takes the styling aspects of a, but would of you a, say... a 240. But would you say the 400Z is actually the, Fair the, Lady same, Z, yeah. the same class of this car? I don't would think it, it probably there? would. I don't think so. It's not a supercar. The, the, Fair Lady, the new Fair Lady Z is not a supercar. It's a sports car. It's priced around the same mark as a Cayman. You know, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a supercar. It's a sports car now. I mean, it's a shame that that breed of vehicle is unfortunately dying. But to me, that's a sports car. The new because well, I say I'd make, uh, I guess. a sports car. I, I yeah, I would say probably I mean, the four hundred is much more powerful and more. Um, obviously, it's more powerful. But well, what would you call it then? Well, I, I'm thinking that Nissan have moved the Z further up market from what the two forty was. Yeah, well, what would you I... call it? <laughs> if it's not a sports car, what would you call it? No, no, I'm not saying it's not a sports car. I'm just wondering. I'm, oh, just, okay. I'm just saying, yeah, so, yeah. is it in the same? bracket now that it was like what what would be the modern version of the 240z i actually uh, i think it is probably i think it is fairly similar to be totally honest because although you have things like now the g or the gr86 i suppose but the yeah. gc86 that sort of bracket the, the the mx5 which is a fairly small engine less powerful but rear wheel drive and sports car sort of layout yeah. um this is, I think, probably slightly above that because when you think you had... And you think at the time as well, there wasn't really... Yeah. There was nowhere near as big cars above it. 
No, and I mean, above this would have been things like the three-litre Jag E-Type um, and GT cars above that, really. Below this, you would have had things like the 1300 version yeah. of the MGB um, and stuff like that, the smaller engines, because it kind of does feel between them, and it is above two-litre, which is sort of in the classic uh, motorsport pantheon it's always the way that you determine your engines is above two liter below two liter so it would kind of the what say that's what the old tax system was yeah um and so you'd have to think at that point although it's only just above two liter granted it's two well 2.4 um it's um it is still a big car by comparison to the 1300s and the 1500 stuff that we were putting in British sports cars at the time. Hmm. I think it's more plush than a equals than an equal sports car today would be in terms in relatively speaking. I think things have changed though, haven't they? That's the trouble. Yeah, it's very like, difficult to um uh that's why I think compare the two nowadays because yeah you're you're right, you know, you don't nowadays and the, the fair lady Z now is it's more it probably leans more towards being a softer car, more towards being a GT. Which in fairness, actually you know, in fairness, the the old nineteen seventies um fair lady Z's also lean towards being more of a GT, more of a long cruiser, more towards that sort of Daytona, Ferrari Daytona sort of yeah. of, of sports cars. You know, you could quite easily, in my opinion, you can quite easily go from the north of Japan to the south of Japan in one of these without too much trouble. I don't think you'd have a problem what I do getting like, out. Last point on this. The last point that I do like about the 240Z um, is when you see on Wikipedia the interior picture that has the three clocks in the middle. Um, Sam, your 350Z similarly yeah. like that, didn't it? It did. Mine, mine had my three there. Fact, I think mine had the four. Cause mine... It as well. Yeah. I like that. That's still a, a styling cue that has carried on. Do they still? Do Mine didn't. Modern car. I think so. My uh, my three hundred and fifty didn't have a manual choke though, which the two hundred and forty <laughs> did. <laughs> they, they moved on just a bit since then. They had moved on a bit, yes. Um, let's talk about a car now, which didn't move on, <laughs> but also debatably did, which is my choice. Which it, it was going to be the Fiat X one nine, but then I changed my mind because I remember the Lotus Esprit came out in nineteen seventies. Yeah, now this is a cool car. Yes. So everyone knows the Lotus Esprit because it's the best British sports car ever made. And it's a submarine. And it's a submarine. And it's a submarine. <laughs> um, it was also for years and years and years and years and years and years the fastest Lotus in the world. Um, but not this Also made of plastic. That's not the point. Uh, that's not it the point the because point. The, this is the Series 1 1 from 1976. Um which um, is a wedge. It's, uh, it's, it's a cheese wedge, man. It's such a it dog. This, this like you, go from a nice, you go from a nice, lovely, curvy, you know, gorgeous Japanese sports car to a cheese wedge. Yeah. And the, the, on, on Wikipedia, it's even yellow. Yeah. <laughs> the Series 1, yeah. Um, um, let's talk about this one. So Lotus famously didn't have a lot of money throughout basically their entire existence uh, during the Chapman years. Um, and even so, they made a supercar, which was the Esprit, which had such high quality specs as a two-liter engine. 
and a five-speed gearbox from a Citroen. Uh, <laughs> yes, and... from a Citroen van. <laughs> Not even uh, just a Citroen, a Citroen van. Yeah, it's... Mm. But, but, <laughs> but it also had a top speed of 133 miles per hour. Slower than the Porsche. Yeah. Um, and it also had... Uh, to be honest, I prefer I prefer the later versions. I'll be honest, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> mate, you're not filling this, you're not filling this car full of confidence. Are you? Well, no, because the first one was like, crap, the was it? To, well, exactly. The idea was you meant to portray this vehicle as being, you know, the best of the of the of the decade. Yeah, but the problem uh, is, by the time the, the Esprit got really good, the other cars that came along. Yeah, funny that. Funny how that works. <laughs> um, let's see. So mm. it did have Fiat, Fiat X19 headlights. Tail light, sorry. I was going to say, it did have, yeah. So yeah what we're not this is a mishmash of somebody else's spare parts bin. Yes, but look, yeah. at, look what it made. Let's go to, wow, let's, a cheese let, wedge. What do you do? The Series 2 is much better. Let's go to that. <laughs> In 1978. Yeah, well, you can't do that. You chose Series 1 as being your... You can't no, go I back didn't. on yourself now. No, I didn't. You can't I, said, I said that it's a spree. I didn't say which, which generation. <laughs> In 1978, well, on, in 1978, the Red Lotus made a much, much better version called the Series 2, um, which also still had a five-speed Citroen gearbox, um, but they also now had the option of a 2.2-litre engine. Um, producing... Did that come from the spare bin part of Ford's? Like... No, that was a Lotus, proper Lotus engine. That. So, wow. so it's even more unreliable, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, of course, also meant that they made the submarine James Bond car, which was... Yes. Which was... Iconic beyond like it's, it's not as iconic as the Aston Martins, but if James Bond was banned from Aston Martin, he'd probably go to Jaguar. But um, fa yeah, but failing yeah. that, he'd go to uh, to the, the Lotus Spy Car in 1977, yeah. uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, uh, and it's it's a submarine with guns. Yep. And the, the, the Do you know is, where all the, of the, uh... the Bond one didn't have a rear wing though, so it's not it's not very good. So I've got no. problems. I've got problems with that as well. Do you know where all of the buttons and switches came from in the Series 2? No, I don't. The Morris yeah, Marina. No, it didn't. Did it really? It, <laughs> it genuinely did. Um, yeah, so, and the, the rear quarter windows and the tail lights come from a Rover SD1. Oh, I knew that one. I knew that one. So Colin Chandler went to Leyland and just went through their bin. Well, he basically fair, went through the bin at Leyland, yeah. To be fair to Lotus, if, if one company needed money more than Lotus, it was Leyland. <laughs> that's true that is true uh <laughs> but no i i I quite like the esprit i think it's quite cool like you said i actually do prefer slightly later ones i'm not gonna lie yep. um but even the 2.2 that's it's not terrible it looks quite cool it's because <laughs> yeah, of the decade it's not terrible <laughs> yeah. i mean the series two was a hundred kilos heavier than the series one yeah but that's because um, it had to have an extra 0.2 of a litre. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they have to do a crash test or something. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and again, this is a car that actually, weirdly, was never... I don't know how many they sold. It probably wasn't many because it can, was Lotus. I but... can tell you a few numbers, so... Okay. Um, also, you can't have the 2.2, you know that, right? Because it's from the 80s. Exactly, yeah, you can't have that. So you can't say, you can't go for the, oh, you, well, it had the 2.2, well, it didn't have the 2.2. Well, in that case, I'll just talk about the 3.5 litre V6 they had at the end. Or V8, sorry, they had at the end. 
Exactly. You, just, you can't do it. So you have to stick to the series two. You can't have the two point two. It's my show. I'll do what I bloody want. Let's spree. In the end, after about forty years of being on the road, uh, ten thousand six hundred produced, which is <laughs> none. Oh god, hang on. Uh, hang on. I'm gonna do some maths here. This will be fun. Hang on, because that, that's some. I can then do the same thing with the, the Z cars. No, then. no, you've had your turn. Uh, so over <laughs> twenty-eight years. So what's the number? Ten thousand six seven five. Ten thousand six seven five divided by twenty. I say twenty-eight. Yep, twenty-eight equals on uh, equals on average. Come on, computer. Three hundred and eighty-five, eighty-one cars a year. Wow. Do you want to know the the uh, the fun, one of the funniest thing? Uh. In on the, on the S2, they decided that when they won, when Lotus won the 1978 F1 championship, they were sponsored by JPS. So they made a, a special edition JPS Esprit. Uh, and then as they were making it, JPS stopped sponsoring the team. <laughs> so, so they decided that they couldn't really call it the JPS special anymore. So it was known as the commemorative edition and was conveniently black and gold. Cool. Um, I've, got, I've got the problem with production <laughs> numbers now. So the uh, the, the type number 79, which was the original one, uh, 718 in its first year, 1,061 in uh, the second... Oh, I don't know, this is over three years. God, this is awful. Um, basically, through, through the 80s, they sold about 2,000. Well, is there, okay, here's a quote. Here, I'm reading this word for word. According to Lotus, a series of 300 commemorative editions of Esprit were built, but it's likely the total was considerably lower. <laughs> Lotus production records are notoriously vague, but reliable estimates suggest that 149 commemorative Esprit were built. That's not as bad as Lancia. It's not really. That's that's. They built they one lied. car and said so they built a thousand. Yeah, they just lied. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this wasn't even for homologation. They just couldn't count. No, <laughs> well, it's Italian. You got to translate it. Yeah. Um, but eventually, the Lotus Series Four came out, and that was the best car, one of the best cars ever made, and it could do like nearly two hundred miles an hour. But that's not the car for the decade. So, Lotus is pretty well done. Well done, Lotus. Good job. Um. <laughs> Right, let's move on to the last one. Also, the Series 4 had a GT1 variant, and that was well good. It was so reliable. Um, but we love Lotus, so it's all good. Um, Al's not here still, so let's talk about his choice, which is um, the VW Golf GTI with a question mark. So that means he's asking us, is it the car of the decade? I no. think it's certainly up there, isn't it? This is the first kind of hot hatch, let's face it. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty good. I would say that. Agree? Anything to add? I mean, it's a VW. Um, it's safe. It was always it's safe well, and boring. Well, I mean, when you this look is at kind it, of you look at what it started. It's uh, kind of in the same it, vein as the Ford Escort, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think. It, 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 it was the start of the the car for the people. Oh, car for the people. Fast <laughs> car for the people. A fast car for the people. Yeah, you know, it, it kicked off the the generation of hot hatches. You know, after that, you've got all of the other hot hatches that came from it. Um, Just to compare it. So, yeah, I mean, it was... 
just to compare it to a, a Lotus Spree, which obviously everyone does, um, 462,000 Mark One GTIs were made. Well, do you know, uh, as well, this is, again, we had this bit with the Mini. Do you know when, officially, the Mark One Golf was stopped in production so it'd in, or, it'd in any of its guises? It have been in Brazil, so I reckon 2006. Uh, Oh, no, you are very close. It's actually 2009, Ugh. and it and it was built in South Africa as the City Golf. The City Golf, what a name! I still remember when I can't remember the name of the, the lecturer. So, what was his name? The South African lecturer we had. Oh, um, Tom, uh, Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah, Tom Baker. I still remember when he was telling the story about how he used to work for. Did he used to work for VW in South Africa, and they were still yeah, producing the City Golf? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was the story that they wanted to stop producing it, but everybody basically said we will riot if you stop producing the Mark One Golf, and so they just yeah. continued. So they just kept going until 2009, which is pretty impressive, really. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't. Of course, it wasn't called the Golf all round the world, was it? No, it was called the. Something Why else. the hell did the Americans decide that the Volkswagen Rabbit? Rabbit, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The rabbit in America and in Mexico, for some reason, it was called the Volkswagen uh, Caribe, which translates to Caribbean. <laughs> so, for some reason, it was known as the Volkswagen Caribbean so, in Mexico. They, oh, so, they just stole the Nissan Sunny name there. <laughs> yeah, they've just gone with that idea in an already quite sunny and warm country. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I like the Mark One. I think it's a cool, cool little car, especially the GTI. I'd, I'd still have one now. I mean, it would be very inconvenient, very but expensive. it would. But uh, but it would be cool. Yeah, no, that, that's that's cool. Uh, so well done, Al, for picking that. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is cool. It's got uh, this. Has also got a five-speed gearbox. Very cutting edge in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, not just an H pattern, an H pattern with a tail. Wolf. Mm. Uh, what's the biggest engine they had? 1.8? Would have been, yeah, would have been the GCI, wouldn't it? The 1.8, I think, GCI. Smallest engine? Oh, they only went down to 1.1, so the uh, the Ford gets the win for that one. Yep. 110 mile an hour, the 1.6 would do. What, down a hill? Oh, maybe, but <laughs> yeah. Um. The problem is with the golf is that it's such an obvious choice that there's nothing exactly yeah. to say about it. Yeah. When did the Honda, uh, it, when did the Honda Civic come out? The original, was it yeah. in the 80s? Yeah, I think it was the 80s, wasn't it? And that was kind of a similar kind of thing. It ended up being very much like that. No, Although no. how you can call the modern Civic a a hatchback I have no idea <laughs> well I'm sure we'll get to that later it, in the uh, series it does, it does stretch the um, the definition of hatchback quite a lot yeah. but anyway yes. who wins I'll just take it I think first type me about. I think me I win you, you no I think win. I think I Porsche think I win no so Sean come. you've got the casting vote so the winner <laughs> Of uh, the 1970s road car of the decade is the Robert, the Reliant Robin. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for more bombshells right. like that, 
tune in next time to the automotive cars of the decade thank you to Cree and Sam for bothering to join me anytime uh, and, and the ghost of Monty I'm sure you enjoy your escorts a bit more maybe give us some, some uh, what's the word some notice <laughs> um, and Al when you wake up we expect you to be on later <laughs> uh, that's going to do it thank you everyone for listening follow us at Stelby Auto take care and goodbye goodbye